you can make a list of people who went insane down there and who never ever operated again. Young Hanson, he went mad, shot somebody in Christiana when he got home. I'm Jen Kelly from The Herald Sun and this is In Black and White, a podcast about some of Australia's forgotten characters. Today we return to what's known as the heroic age of Antarctic exploration and one of the expeditions by the legendary Australian explorer Sir Douglas Mawson. Mawson's wireless operator on the Australasian Antarctic expedition in 1913 was a brilliant man named Sidney Jeffries. He was a pioneer of Antarctic telecommunications, achieving a world first by making continuous two-way wireless contact between Antarctica and Australia. But Jeffries was the only man among the small band of explorers who could transmit in Morse code. So the expedition was thrown into turmoil when Jeffries began showing signs of paranoia. Eventually, Jeffries experienced a psychotic breakdown and transmitted a message to Australia, declaring himself to be the only sane man on the expedition and accusing his comrades of a conspiracy to murder him. Jeffries was sent home to Australia and promptly vanished, but resurfaced and spent his final years at Ararat Lunatic Asylum. Today we're speaking with Ron Roberts, a tour guide at J Ward, Ararat's old jail and lunatic asylum, to hear the tale. Welcome to the podcast, Ron. It's a pleasure to be here, Jen. Now, I'm sure that you could choose from dozens of pretty incredible stories about Jay Ward and some of the Victorian murderers and thieves and the criminally insane who were housed there. So why have you chosen the story of Sidney Jeffries today to share with us? He was a man who was in some ways very brilliant and if life had taken a different turn, he would have gone down in Australian history. But because he went insane, he disappeared off the map of the world. Well, let's start the story at the very beginning. What do we know about his early life? Sidney Jeffries was born in Toowoomba in Queensland and his father was the local postmaster. Of course, as as the listeners would know, the postmaster was also responsible for the telegraphs at the time. So he grew up with a uh, love of uh, electronics and telegraphy and uh, that's where he ended up taking the wrong turn. And what happened then, Ron? Uh, Jeffries decided as he grew up he wanted to do work in radio communication, trained with the AAE, which was the old, uh, I guess, back of Telstra GPO and all that type of thing. And he then applied for a job as the wireless operator on Mawson's first trip to Antarctica. He was unsuccessful in gaining that and... uh, a year later, when the second expedition was going down, they were short of a radio operator and they offered the job to Jeffries. And he went on the Aurora down to Cape Denison. So for a bit of background, tell us what was that Australian Antarctic expedition all about? Uh, well, at that stage, the Antarctica was the big open country and you, and you got all the people trying to get down there to make new discoveries. Uh, Mawson. My friend Amundsen, Scott, who never made it back, Shackleton, 
They were all there. And whether they wanted the country for mineral wealth or just for geographical importance, I never know. But they sent down Mawson's second expedition. Uh, Mawson had been the professor of geology at Adelaide University and uh, had a, quite a reputation to go down there. Now, this is where things started to go wrong. And was Sidney Jeffries initially a good operator, a good worker? I don't know. On the first time, he missed out whether they thought he was tough enough to survive down there. But he had a brilliant brain. And whilst he was down there, he discovered how he could uh, send messages, and a Morse code, straight back to Australia without having to relay it to a couple of other stations, which meant they had instant uh, communication with Hobart where before that it could take two, three days to get a message back and forth. So in some ways you've got to say that's brilliant. Nobody else had been able to do it. Mawson did it by moving the aerial closer to the hut. He tried all the sort of physical things to get the uh, system to work, and he did. However, uh, things were not going too well after that. And what would it have been like for all these men? What were their lives like, their daily lives? I mean, they were all stuck together in such close confines and it wasn't uncommon for, for cabin fever and winter madness to set in, was it? No. Oh, no, look, it was... Uh, you can you can make a list of people who went insane down there and uh, who never, ever operated again. Johansson, he went mad shot somebody in Christiana when he got home, and Christiana, of course, is the old name for Oslo. But there were half a dozen men who went down there. Now, first of all, your rations are poor by today's standards. Clothing was normal clothing adapted. In other words, you put on two jumpers instead of one. No high-grade liquid stuffed jackets to keep you warm. And you're living in a hut, and I guess a hut's the best way to decide, name it, of, uh, with half a dozen other men, and they've all gone down there for some particular reason. Uh, my son went into the hut a couple of years ago, and he said, Dad, you wouldn't believe how they lived. You know, bunk beds shoved in, tins of food, some of the food would, be, would have gone off by the time they opened it. So it wasn't uh, the greatest place to be. But Jeffrey started to suffer. People noticed he was uh, going off, they said. And he argued with Mawson. And at one stage, Mawson went off uh, on one of his two weekly expeditions into the close to the centre. And while he was away... Uh, Jeffries decided that they were all going to get him. So he got onto his radio and he typed it into Hobart saying, everybody at the expedition had gone mad except him. And he was scared that they're going to try and kill him. And of course, when Mawson came back, he did his fizz, blew up, and he had uh, more Jeffries locked away. He couldn't afford messages like that going back. And Jeffries just kept continuing going down and down and down. He, mm. he got to the stage where he, he saved all his urine and he drank it because he thought that was a cure for madness. 
And so Jeffries was what locked up in in a small room or, or something. Yes, just in a small room, uh, hardly as uh, my son said, no bigger than a telephone box. But then again, some telephone boxes are pretty good. But he said it was pretty terrible. And one of the other guys was trained to do the Morse code, and they had to take his food into him all the time, and uh, if they found it difficult to communicate with him. And what did Mawson do about this next? Well, Mawson, of course, had him fired, if that's possible, when you're several thousand miles away from home. But when they come to take them back to Hobart, Mawson had him locked up on the trip all the way home. And then they uh, sailed to Adelaide, Mawson being from Adelaide University, that was their base, and they got paid off, and that becomes a funny part of the story. Jeffrey's decided it's time to go home to uh, Toowoomba, packed a case, and headed on the train. Now, for some reason, he hopped off the train at Store, which is the next station up from Ararat, and he was found several days later walking through the forest between Store and Ararat, stark naked. The magistrate said, uh, yes, the poor fellow, he's lost it, and he sent him to the asylum in Ararat. That's the big asylum. There are two asylums in Ararat. We'll call one the Ararat Asylum, the other one we'll call Jaywood. Now, it makes some funny sort of side stories because the policeman said he searched him and couldn't find any money on him. Now, Early on, he said he was naked. Now, what did he search? <laughs> what did what did Jeffries do with a case of money? Is it still out in the forest between Ararat and Store? And does anybody want to join me in the search party? However, Jeffries ended up in Aradale. Why was there he attacked one of the staff and they moved him to Jaywood? Now, Jaywood is the high security, dangerous men are kept there. And that's where he lived the rest of his life. We'll be back in just a moment to hear what Jay Ward and the main asylum in Ararat were like back then. So stay with us. Hey, I'm Felicity Harley and I host Healthy-ish, where we chat to experts, influencers and people in the know from around the globe to arm you with the knowledge to make healthier decisions for your mind, body and soul. I think if we're going to be focusing on health, like sleep is probably the biggest component of that. I I think sleep is the cornerstone. Like choose the harder option because I've never woken up and gone, I regret that run that I went at 4am. I've never done that. Search for Healthy-ish and Extra Healthy-ish wherever you get your podcasts. And what would Jay Ward and the the other asylum, the main asylum in Ararat, have been like in that period of our history? Oh, in the main asylum, they did have shared rooms for most of them, and they had a big dining area where they could eat. In Jay Ward, it was very basic. You had a floor, a canvas blanket if you were lucky, a canvas so you can't rip it up and hang yourself, and you had a bucket for for toilet purposes. Concrete, oh, bluestone floors, we should say, not concrete. And uh, you were in yourself for about 12 hours each night, then out to the yard for exercise between breakfast and lunch. Again, exercise between lunch and dinner, then back into your cells by 7 o'clock. And it was a very lonely life and not 
because when I say lonely, I, they seem to be not the sort of men that made good friends. So very, very much once one offers, and so you didn't have somebody. Ah, oh, gee, yeah, let's go and have a cigarette together. They were very suspicious of each other. A lot of them were very dangerous, although I think the staff in general terms had good control of them. Uh, Jeffries did get some letters while he was in jailwood from his auntie. Some of the men on the expedition wrote to Mawson and said, look, Mawson should get down there to Arat and talk to Jeffries and see what he could do. But Mawson refused to have anything to do with him. So he never went there. Uh, it's, I mean, people don't like you saying that about Mawson because he is a bit of a hero. But our, the record shows that he never at any stage visited Jeffries in Arat. The mm. other thing that I found strange about Jeffries' uh, story is that 1919, the British Polar Institute awarded Jeffries a Polar Medal. Now, nowadays, I think everybody that spends more than six months on Antarctica gets a medal. But in those days, you had to do something out of the box. And Jeffries, of course, had invented the Morse code straight back to Australia. That was seen as a great thing. Now, he got a medal. I can't find out how he physically got the medal, because he's locked in Jaywood by then. However, about three years ago, the medal came up for sale at a coin auction in Sydney. Now, where did it go to between 1914 and two years ago? Who had the medal? I don't know. Did it go back to the Jeffries family? We can't find any trace of that. However, it is now owned by a coin collector in Melbourne. He bought the thing from the Sydney auction, knowing what it was. I don't think they got many bids for it. Uh, I didn't know it was for sale, by the way. And... Uh, yeah, how come he got that medal and it didn't uh, didn't get recorded being presented by a governor or some official? It was just given to Jeffries. On the medal, it does have his name spelt incorrectly. And so it's one of those little intriguing things. Now, the missing medal, it's been found. The guy who bought it doesn't want to sell it. We don't want to uh, yeah, push the matter. It's his business. Now, about four years ago, I was going through the Ararat Cemetery records, not looking for Jeffries, just looking for people from Jaywood who were buried there, and I found Jeffries. And the name rang a bell. I don't know why, but next year we were down at uh, Hobart on our 50th wedding anniversary. And we went into the Mawson Hut Museum and got talking to the people there and said, well, yeah, I know where Jeffries was and where he is now. He's buried as a pauper in the Ararat Cemetery. Now, they were, there were a lot of interest out of that and ensuing months, they came up to Ararat and they rebuilt a, uh, a plaque for Jeffries because it was an unmarked grave and uh, we put it on, they put it on there. I was unfortunately away at the time, didn't go to the ceremony. But when I came back, I was quite 
uh, upset that it was a very cheap looking. The plaque was good. It was mounted on a bit of raw concrete. So I rang them in Tasmania and said, it's not good enough for a man of his importance. So he pulled it out, put down a proper granite headstone, and we mounted Jeffrey's in a, in a fitting manner, I hope. And he yeah. lies there in the cemetery. Now, uh, did he have relatives? He had brothers and sisters in Toowoomba. Did they have children? There must be Je- there might be Jeffrey's uh, descendants in terms of nieces and nephews up there. But as far as I know, uh, he, he had no children himself. So, I wonder if any of his friends and family ever came to visit him at Jay Ward. I saw the records and there was one auntie, I think, came and visited him once. But he's in Jay Ward from uh, 1913 to 42, so he's there for 30 years, and that's not a big visitor's list, is it? What are they? It's a very long time. Is Was he the, the longest resident of Jay Ward, or were there others oh, that lived there for longer? Oh, he was a Johnny-come-lately. We had uh, <laughs> Bill Wallace uh, lived, went in there when he was 42, and he lived there till he was 107. Uh, and he wasn't the longest, he was the oldest. Who was the oldest? Oh, Fossard, he came in there when he was 21. He died in there when he was 93. He had 72 years locked in there. Because of the- That's amazing. Uh, so for Sydney, for Sydney Jeffries, given that this stint in Antarctica was obviously the trigger for his mental illness, what sort of treatment did he receive when he was at J-Ward? And was there ever any improvement in his mental health? Treatment? Treatment? What's that word? I don't think Jay Ward was a place for treatment in those days. We're going back before the First World War, right through the Second World War. After the Second World War, yes, there was a lot more uh, medical treatment for the men, but before then they were being kept there to protect the people of society. They didn't want them out there committing another heinous crime, and uh, that's where they kept them there for the rest of their lives. Now, when they got very old, they would review them and they might have sent them up to the other asylum or they might have released them. But poor old Bill Wallace, when he was 103, they decided to release him. Ha! He told them where they could do with his release. <laughs> I won't swear over here. Uh, but he never was released. He stayed there till he was 107. But mm-hmm. uh, there were a lot of men there who lived into their 80s and 90s before they thought they were fit enough to send up to the other asylum, where where the conditions were a lot more open, uh, although not much. And how were the the residents of J-Ward treated by the staff there? Oh, they had a job to do. They had to feed them. They had to bathe them. They had to make sure they weren't fighting each other. And... uh, pretty dedicated staff over the years. I mean, I don't know all the records going back to the 19, mm-hmm. but like chap like old Tim Stapleton, he went there when he was, as a guard when he was 14 and he retired when he was 65. So he he found it okay to live there, but uh, it, was, it was fraught with danger, I guess. They were always open to be attacked, uh, but they were... If you could last the first three weeks, you're right after that. A lot of guys who went up there to work only lasted a few weeks. Said, "No, nah, don't like this. Go back. Uh, send me back to up to Aradale. 
And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, would you like that job? Looking after 50 to 60 men who have all been deemed by some person wiser than you to be insane? No, I wouldn't. So it certainly wasn't much of an existence for Sidney Jeffries in those final days, was it? No, no. And, uh, uh, like, his one interest in, which was in radio, radio telegraphy, he had no way of following that up in there. They didn't give him a set and say, here you are, Sidney, now play with this. He just sat there, as they all did. And can visitors can visitors still see the old cells like they were back in Sydney Jeffrey's time? Yeah, yeah, we'll take you in there any time you want. With small extra fee, I'll lock the door and won't give you the key. <laughs> <laughs> it's open every day of the year except Christmas Day. And, uh, yeah, Jeffrey's is good because it links also on with the cemetery and they can go out to the cemetery after they do Jay Wood and have a look at the... Uh, the headstone that we've mounted there. Jeffrey's also got a glacier named after him in Antarctica. And people who do these you know, 12-hour flights down to the South Pole, they usually fly over the Jeffrey's Glacier and uh, they'll come back and say, oh, I saw his, uh, his glacier when I was down at Antarctica. We'll be back in just a moment, so stay with us. News doesn't have to be boring. The Brits have given Prince Harry a new nickname after yet another tell-all interview. Oh, God, is it the ginger winger? (laughs) Let the team at news.com.au get you up to speed each day with their podcast from the newsroom. A couple were busted joining the Mile High Club. Well, I guess they can't fly virgin anymore. Politics, sport, red carpets, royals. Get all the goss in just a few minutes. Follow from the newsroom wherever you get your podcast from. So from what you've learned about the life of Sydney Jeffries, what's the main lesson that you think we can take away from the story? Don't go to the Arctics. You go mad. Now, I, I think, well, I think the thing is, Jeffries no different from anybody else. Sometimes people cannot cope with their life and they have a, a breakdown and society doesn't always know what to do with them. The early thing was to put them in a cell they were not going to hurt anybody. Uh, they might hurt themselves, but uh, at least the society was safe. Now, and I don't know if it's that, that much difference today. There's an institute in Melbourne uh, where they keep the, the J wards of today out of Fairfield. And people don't know about it, but it's there. It uh, takes 100 and, I think 120, and it's also male and female. And, uh, I don't know whether their life is any better, but basically they're faced with not being given a sentence. Mm. You see, you you went up in front of the judge and he said, uh, not guilty due to reason to insanity, lock him in jail. I go in front of the judge and the judge says guilty, put him in the pentridge for 10 years. At least Mm. I have a 10-year sentence and I know, uh, you know, I'm going to be out. People in jail would never knew. And just finally, Ron, can you just sum up the life of Sydney Jeffries for us? Life of Sydney Jeffries was a, a quite a brilliant young student when he was living in Toowoomba. Had a great interest in a, a field that was growing. Tele- radio telegraphy was going to be big, and uh, but because he, I went to Antarctica, uh, 
he never ever fulfilled that dream that he showed as a child. And therefore his future was to be locked away in jail. Well, thank you for sharing a very sad story with us today, Ron. Thanks, Jen. We'll see you later. Thanks for listening. This has been In Black and White, a podcast about some of Australia's forgotten characters. Written and hosted by me, Jen Kelly, produced by John T. Burton and edited by Andrea Tees Evanson. If you've enjoyed this podcast, we'd love you to leave a five-star rating on whatever platform you're listening on. Even better, leave a review. Any comments or questions, please email me at inblackandwhite at heraldsun.com.au. Any clarifications or updates to stories will appear in the show notes for each episode. And to get notified when each new episode comes out, make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed.